0: 21 1 through 4 It reads, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people putting their gifts into the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two pennies. I assure you, he said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, has poor as she is, has given everything. She has. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, I actually know a story, a real life story about this happening. Um, only the people of God didn't respond exactly the way Jesus did in this story. It was a bit of a fail, honestly. Um, but it, thankfully, it didn't happen to me, although I'm trying to learn the lesson from it. It happened to my friend Virgilio. And when he was 24 years old, he had his first church. It was down in the Rio Grande Valley. And um, he was green and, you know, it was, it was all brand new to him. Um, so maybe we can forgive him for this mistake. But the, I think it was like his second or third week he told me the finance chair came in and sat down in his office and said, we have a problem. That is never good news. That is not what you want to hear your first couple of weeks in church and we have a problem. But it turned out that the problem was a different kind of a problem. The finance for Helios said, well, what's the problem? And he was thinking maybe we're behind on the budget or the apportionments or what's going on? And um, the finance chair said to him, well, um, pastor, it's Sister Alma. He was like, Sister Alma? I mean, Sister Alma sings in the choir, and she sits in the third row right about there, and not in our church, but in for Helios. And you're he like, where? I've never met Alma. Um, and she teaches the kids I mean sister Alma is like the model of faithfulness right so what's the problem and so Virgilio says well what's wrong with sister Alma and the finance chair says well it's her giving. Virgilio says well what what's wrong because he knows that sister Alma is a widow right and um, her husband died just a few years ago and he knows that she doesn't have very much and He already knows this about her, and the finance chair says, well, the the problem with Sister Alma is that she's tithing. Virgilio's like, why is that a problem? And he said, I want you to look at her tithe check. And he has it in his pocket, and he slides it across the table to Virgilio, and the check is for it's her monthly tithe, $22.44. Exactly. Whoever laughed, right? Thirty years ago... She's living on Social Security. She has only about $225 a month, and she's tithing. And what the finance chair says is, I get this check every month, and every month my heart breaks when I cash it. And I wonder, Pastor, if you might go talk to her and tell her that for us, $22.44 is not going to move the needle, but for her it might. And maybe in this part of her life she should keep it. And he gives him the check. And because Virgilio young and green and the finance chair is telling him to do this, he does it. Now, what's so funny is after the service, our finance chair is sitting here and she goes, just for the record, tell everyone I will take $22.44. <laughs> we are not above, you know, we are not this church that doesn't need that. Anyway, he takes the check, Virgilio, and he goes to Sister Alma's house, bless her heart, He sits with her, they they talk about God, they talk about her family, her kids that are grown up and moved away. And then he says, "Um, Sister Hermana, um, I need to talk to you about your giving, Um, but what is it? He says, well, you know, the finance chair feels really bad every time we cash this check because it's kind of a drop in the bucket, and he thinks that maybe you should keep it. And so I've come to bring it back to you. It didn't go over well. (laughs) Anyone faithful enough to tithe off of $224.40 is going to know that the reason behind tithing isn't the check, the amount, it's the heart. Is also going to know that just because the finance chair doesn't think that $22 can be powerful for God doesn't mean that God won't use that in an amazing, powerful, life-changing way. I have seen less change a life. So she stands up to five feet tall, her full height, and she says, put that back in your pocket, son. You are my pastor, but I want you to never forget this. Never stop someone who's generous. I'm doing this because I'm thankful to God for, this, for blessing me. I have always had enough, she said. I will always have enough. That's God's money, and I would be sinful to take it back. And so Virgilio walks out just like hung dog, shame face, right? But he has remembered this ever since then, that Sister Alma says that check, that's God's money. I'm going to sin if I take it back and God takes care of me. And so he's now, he's been the district superintendent in San Antonio when I was there. He's the assistant to the bishop now. Everywhere he goes, he tells this story. Often before an offering, right? So that we'll be like, oh, well, Sister Alma did this, so (laughs) pastors are clever. I'm not telling you for that. I'm telling you because her generosity, her $22.44 has had a three-decade shelf life, at least. That's with us who never knew her. We don't even know what God did with that $22 every month in her church and her community. But I promise you, it mattered. The amount you give is not the important part. The heart you give it with is the important part. That's the important part. Like Steve said, a cheerful, joyful heart. God loves that. Don't stop that. So then we get to this passage, um, Luke chapter 21, the widow's offering. I tell you what, if, if people said, hey, what do you want to preach on today? I would never be like, the widow's offering. Because it's I love the generosity, but it's such a hard story for me. Because I'm I guess I'm deeply practical. And so to see a poor widow giving all she had, I just worry about her. As a pastor, I worry about her, just like Virgilio. So let's look at this story because I don't want you to be like me, I want you to be like Jesus. And when Jesus sees her, he's sitting there, and isn't this interesting? Just think for a second. Jesus comes to the temple, and there's God with skin on, having a seat, and watching as we give. Nobody knows he's there, but he's just watching. And he sees all these kinds of gifts go into the plate. And then somebody that nobody notices or ever would think about goes and puts in some change. Just quietly walks away. And Jesus says, did you see that? That was the most powerful gift of the day. Those couple of pennies. He said, because everybody else that's putting stuff in the plate, they have enough and they're giving not a sacrificial piece of the enough, but you hear what he says? A tiny part of their surplus. So it makes an impressive sound when it goes in, but it's hollow here in your heart. I mean, it's, I think anything we give has meaning, but when Jesus looks at this woman and says she gave Because she loves God this much. And it's not that much. It's a drop in the bucket, but it is. It outweighs all the rest of the gifts because of the heart behind it. And then we think about the ripples through time. How for 2,000 years we've been talking about a handful of change that went into the offering plate. That's powerful. Now here's another thing that bothers me. This really bothers me. The verse before this Right before this, and remember in the original Greek, they didn't have chapters and verses. So there was no chapter 21. It was just Luke's story, right? So the chapters kind of break it up. And the verse before this, Jesus says, The Pharisees shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. What? The Pharisees are cheating widows out of their property? Then a poor widow came and dropped two small coins into the box. That is exhibit A on why the Pharisees are bad people, right? So if I would have seen that, uh, Jesus says they're bad. This woman has given all that she has, and those funds are not managed in a fiscally responsible way. I mean, you can go online and Google which organizations are good to give to, right? And this woman has just given in a place thinking it's to God and it might be misused. And Jesus doesn't go up to her and say, hey, stop, there's a better organization over here. He doesn't say, oh, you really should save that. In fact, he doesn't say anything to her. He points it out to his followers as an example. She may not have ever known she was being watched. She may have died and not realized she became part of the greatest story ever. It's all about her heart. That's what I want us to remember is that giving is about our heart. It's so Once we've taken God's hand, it's saying, I trust your power enough to give up a piece of what I love, a significant piece to you, God, because you can do with it more than I ever can. Because the world can change. And what I'd say to you is, that giving is up to us. And then what's done with it, we want to give, I still think we want to give to responsible organizations. But sometimes y'all ask me, well, what if I give to that person on the corner and they buy alcohol? Well, does it matter what they do with it? Or that when you saw a person in need who said, I'm hungry, you fed them. Now, if you have the foresight to take a snack bar with you, all the better, right? But if God moves your heart and says, give, then you do that and let God talk to that person about how they spend it. You give. Now, these are the extreme examples, right? Sister Alma tithing on her Social Security check. That's pretty extreme. Um, This woman giving her her change, her last money, that's extreme. I want to encourage you that most of the examples in the Bible are not this extreme. It's not sell everything and follow me. But whatever we're asked to give, there's always a greater reward in proportion to that, either in what happens to the world or what's going to happen in us. So think about the givers, the generous people who became a part of our salvation history the two people I love, I love them, are Abraham and Sarah. They were 75 years old when God said, that's a nice retirement home in Ur that you have, but I want you to follow me into the great unknown. And we're going to change the world together, God said to them, when all you have to do is give up this house and everything you know and just follow me, right? To this land nobody knows you Uh, You you can't bring much of your stuff, but let's go do this, and you're going to bless the world, right? God says in Genesis 12, you will be a blessing to all the people on earth if you can give up your retirement home. Thank God they did. Thank God they trusted God even when it sounded crazy that they were going to have a baby and that the world was going to change. They were like, okay, God, we're in. And they got so much more than a retirement dinner. They have a legacy that's lasted millennia. Okay, sometimes it's something small. It's a lot smaller than a retirement home. Sometimes it's a night's sleep. Sometimes you're just asked to give up time. There was this little kid named Samuel who was hearing God's voice inconveniently in the middle of the night. And he kept running to Eli, who was like his father figure, saying, you're calling me. And Eli, like all parents or pseudo-parents was like, go to bed. I'm not. It's 3 a.m. Until finally this happens again and again, and Eli, who is a man of God, says, something is happening here. I think maybe God is calling this child, and he teaches Samuel how to talk to God. Now he's doing it at 3 a.m., and it would have been very easy for Eli to say, I'm going to wait until a more convenient time to do this. Somewhere not at 3 a.m. But he wakes up, he teaches Samuel, and because he did, that is the start of Samuel's relationship with God. And Samuel is one of the greatest prophets we've ever had. There's two books in the Bible named after him. Sometimes it's just our time that God needs. And let me tell you, when God needs your time, it's never convenient. That is the true bummer, right? You always have something else you need to do. And you have to make a choice. Do I follow God or do I do this thing I need to do? Um, what, about, what about this person? Um, what about David? There's a whole, there's this giant named Goliath, okay? So imagine any NBA player just like totally ripped, right? Super tall, super strong. He's taunting all of the fighting people and all of the army is terrified. And here comes this little kid who's been tending sheep And he hears this taunt and says, well, how dare he? And all the soldiers are like, not my problem. Now, David doesn't have their armor. He doesn't have their sword. He doesn't have their size. He doesn't have any of the right things. And he looks down at what he has, and he has a slingshot. A slingshot, okay? A kid with a slingshot has a slingshot and his faith that God will not be defied and that if he puts this slingshot in God's hands, something amazing will happen. And so he goes out and Goliath laughs at him. Who is this? This is the best Israel could come up with? Heck yeah, it is because that kid had faith and the giant fell and he became the greatest king ever. Sometimes it's just your faith and your ability to lay yourself on the line. Esther did that when she spoke up for her people. All the Jews were going to be killed. She was the queen, but nobody knew she was Jewish. So she could have hidden back in her obscurity and say, thank you, God, for putting me here so that I could be safe when this terror came. And instead, she used her position to speak for her people and said, if you kill them, I have to die with them because I'm one of them. Please stop this. She's she's a hero. She's another savior of the Jewish people. You don't even have to be the right age to do this for God. You can be a kid. Kids do powerful things for God. I'm looking at all my kids out here. There was this day when there were lots of adults gathered, and they were listening to Jesus. And they all got really hungry. Kids, have y'all ever seen an adult get really hungry? Look out. Some of them can handle it well. Some of them doesn't sit well when they're hungry. So there's all these hungry grown-ups, and the disciples are trying to figure out, how do we feed them? Because Jesus has said that he's the bread of life, and that's part of why he has a big crowd, because the crowd is like, bread, sign me up, right? I'll do that. Well, there isn't any. And they're, they're kind of calculating it on their fingers, and they're like, if we had thousands of dollars, everybody could get one chicken nugget and a french fry. But we don't have thousands of dollars, so Jesus send them home. And there's this one kid who looks down at his lap, and or her lap. It was a boy, but it could be a girl. Says, well, Mom packed a dinner for me. I think I could give that to Jesus, and he could do something with it. Now, y'all, do y'all think that that kid, when the kid was walking up to Jesus to give his dinner... It was like stuffing sardines in his back pockets. <laughs> you know, I have this one roll. Now he gave what he had, but he put it into the right hands. See, in his hands, it could feed him. In Jesus' hands, it fed everyone, thousands of people. You just have to put it into the right hands. Isn't it fun to do that? I mean, I hope as you sit out here and you think, like as Steve says, we, we've repaired this roof, we've gotten this person dentures, we've gone to rebuild houses, we've, you know, we're doing Habitat for Humanity. I'm trying to think of it all because we do so much, and that's in August. Isn't it exciting to be like, I'm part of that. I hope that happens. Because that's what it should be like. It should be like giving Jesus your lunch and seeing it multiplied, seeing, man, Lord, you did something with that that I never could have done with it. I could have had a nice meal. You fed thousands. That's the difference. Now, what if we're afraid to do that? Because it's really hard to part with what you love, especially when there are no guarantees. Like there's... There's no insurance on following God, right? Like, let me sign up for this insurance so I get it back if you don't do something with it, God. And so sometimes it's scary. Certainly it had to be scary for Esther laying her life on the line, for David walking up to a giant. It had to be scary for Sarah and for Abraham leaving everything they'd worked their whole life to build. So you have to have some faith. And that's the key. Because you remember there was that young man who came up to Jesus and he said, Lord, I'm looking for a life with purpose. How do I get it? And Jesus said, well, a life with purpose, um, first of all, learn how to put your hand in God's hand and walk with him. Obey the commandments and learn to be God's child. Do that. And, and the, the guy's like, I'm doing it. I'm holding his hand. See, I'm, I'm doing it. What else is there? Because I think that there's something more. And Jesus says, we'll see all the other good things God's put into your hands. Why don't you sell those and give them to God? Give them to the poor, and then you come and be my disciple. And the guy's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'd rather have this stuff here, which is really a sad trade. When you think about it, because all this stuff that this guy traded walking with Christ for, that's all gone. If he could have gotten rid of it and walked with God, though, imagine. Imagine getting the chance to live with Jesus. I mean, I don't know his name, but maybe it would have been like Peter, James, John, and Justin. Right? And we would have been like, Justin, the rich guy who sold it all and followed God. And remember how his life changed? And he was there for the transfiguration. And remember, he said this stupid thing, but then he was redeemed. Right? And we would be talking about Justin. But Justin chose his stuff. And so all we have is the story of the guy who lost out. It's okay to have stuff. That's okay. It's good. But God asks us to take a real piece, not just a little tiny scrap of our surplus, but take a real piece of things that we love and put it into His hands. They're powerful. And then just watch how the world changes when we do that. Because it does. And we do too. Now, y'all may have seen this movie, but I want to show it to you again, because this is the power of kindness, even small kindness, and how it can change a life. Why don't you look? จะทําอย่างนี้ You may never know what your generosity has done, but God will know. If you're brave enough, the world will change. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that you would help us not just to take your hand, but then to give back to put into your hands, God, our resources to share back what you've given to us so that lives can be transformed. Help us to remember that any time we put a gift into your hands, it matters. That every time we stretch ourselves, every time we reach out, it makes a difference, Lord. Help us to remember what is eternal and what is passing.